We're Jill and Jenna, sisters who believe that gut health is the baseline required to live your best life. But health is way more than that. So we've made it our mission to take a deep dive into gut health, mental health, fitness, nutrition, and more. Interviewing experts, having real conversations, all while making sure all of the information is digestible. Welcome Welcome to to our our Gut Talk. This episode is sponsored by Element Electrolytes. Jill and I have been using these electrolytes for a while now. And recently we made a video saying we don't drink a lot of plain water and the responses were interesting. Let me explain further. To properly hydrate, you want to include water with electrolytes. Hear me out. When you sweat, you are losing water and sodium. Both of these need to be replaced to prevent headaches, muscle cramps, energy dips, confusion, and more. I used to get a cramp after big workouts, especially at night that would wake me up. It was that really deep cramp that hurt like hell. If you've had one, you know what I'm talking about. But after drinking electrolytes with my water, I cannot remember the last time that that's happened. Electrolytes facilitate hundreds of functions in the body, including the conduction of nerve impulses, hormonal regulation, nutrient absorption, and fluid balance. They also boost performance and recovery. Element, spelled L-M-N-T, is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means a science-backed electrolyte ratio with none of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. Jill and my favorite flavors are the raspberry and watermelon salt. We also love citrus. What we do is we add the electrolytes to a big reusable bottle of water and sip on it all day. So if you're someone who constantly says you need to drink more water, this might be right up your alley. It also makes drinking water fun. We have a deal for the Gut Talk community. You can go to drinkelement.com. That's drinkelement.com slash guttalkgirls. We also link it in the show notes to get a free Element sample pack when you make any purchase through our link. The Element sample pack includes one packet of every flavor. This is perfect for anyone who's interested in trying all the flavors or if you want to introduce a friend to Element. So try it out and let us know what you think. Oh, baby, another episode of Gut Talk. And we're back. Jenna, who do we have on the pod today? Okay, today's episode, we are joined by Dr. Amy Apigian, who is the leading medical expert on how life experiences get stored in the body and restoring the body to its best state of health through her signature model and methodology, the biology of trauma. We had such an enlightening conversation with Dr. Amy. If you've heard of root cause health, this is as root causey as it gets. We dive into the difference between stress and trauma, and I think you'll realize how big of a difference there is between the two. The majority of us are walking around with trauma, trauma that makes us ill, it impairs our digestion, our thoughts, and our overall health. And through Dr. Amy's practice, her goal is to help you learn techniques and practices that allow you to feel safer, feel loved, and support your body. Yeah, and Dr. Amy states in the episode that we must become the expert in our body and understand the subtle messages, aka your intuition. She helps us understand that it's trauma that makes our intuition off and that that trauma help makes us see danger where there is no danger. I really think that a light bulb, at least one, if not many, Mm -hmm. is going to go off for you during this episode. And so we wanted to include some resources to Dr. Amy's practice. That way, if you do feel like, holy, this is me. Wow, I have some stuff I want to work on. I mean, Jenna and I both felt that during this episode. Um, Dr. Amy has some really cool resources and some groups that you can join. So all of that is linked in the show notes. Yep. Okay, let's get into it. Here is Dr. Amy on Gut Talk. I think a really great place to start out would be defining trauma because I think in today's world, and you feel free to disagree with me with me if you see something different, but I feel like trauma is almost an overused word. What is trauma from like a clinical sense that that you deal with? Yeah, I love that. Let's start there. Yay. Great. So when we talk about what is trauma, most people seem to still have this concept that it's an event and they look back at an event in their life and they even start to categorize, well, how severe was that event? Was this a big T trauma? Was this a little trauma? So we're going to call it a little T trauma. And they start to even assign degrees to an event that happened to them. And yet trauma, when we look at trauma, the body has a trauma response. 
And we can measure this. We can actually watch a body go into a trauma response. And it really has nothing to do with the event itself. We can really just look at what is happening in the body. And so in response to any threat, the first response that the body goes through is a startle response. And so you've all, I'm sure, you know, like heard a loud sound or seen something that you're like, oh, wait a second, what's this? Now, you're not yet in that full stress response because you don't know what it is yet. Like, you don't know if your sister just accidentally knocked a pan off the counter or whether, no, like someone just broke into the house, right? So you don't know yet. And so there's this startle response and you can feel your energy go up with that startle response. Now, we're going to assume that this is a real threat and danger today so that our body goes one next step higher in that energy. And now we are in a full-blown stress response. So your heart is beating fast, you start sweating, and it's mediated by this hormone called adrenaline. People usually know about adrenaline because people can even be adrenaline junkies, right? And they actually seek out danger to get this adrenaline rush because the adrenaline rush, oh my goodness, like it gives us so much energy. Why would we need energy in this moment? Well, we need the energy to take action. And that adrenaline is intended to move us to action. The whole purpose of adrenaline is to move us to action. It's to orient our senses to like focus in on what is this one problem. Everything else fades away, does not become important in this one moment. So all of my senses become hyper-focused on something and I have lots of energy to take action on that one thing. In a moment that for whatever reason this can happen, that ability to take action becomes overwhelmed. And we feel this moment of paralysis. Like, oh my goodness, this is so much bigger than what I thought. I'm not, I'm not big enough for this. I'm not strong enough for this. I'm not smart enough for this. I don't have enough energy for this. And in that moment, it's a split second moment. Our system changes from a stress response to a trauma response. It would be the equivalent if we were driving a car to have your foot on the gas pedal and it's all the way down. Like that's the adrenaline. Your foot is all the way down on that gas pedal. You are, the engine is revving and it's fl flying down the road. I don't know how fast you guys drive, but I drive pretty fast. <laughs> flying down the road. Now, what if all of a sudden we were like, oh my goodness, no, something, something just happened and we throw on the emergency brake. Our foot can still be on that gas pedal. It doesn't change the fact that there might still be all this adrenaline running through our system, but something else that's even more powerful than our mind has decided, mm, no, 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 this is not good. And we're going to use our emergency brake to come to a screeching halt. That is literally what is happening in our bodies at the moment that trauma happens. So it really does not about the event external to us. It's really about what's happening inside of each of us. And for each of us, it can be a different reason why we reach that point, that moment of paralysis where we feel like we're not strong enough. We're not big enough for this problem in our life. And in that moment, our body shuts down. We throw on the emergency brake and communication actually now changes from one state of our nervous system to a completely different state of the nervous system. Like it really is going from the gas pedal to the emergency brake, completely different systems. Like we're not even using the regular brake. We're using the emergency brake, completely different systems here where you have this nerve um, chain that runs down your spine. That is your sympathetic nervous system. It runs down your whole spine and that's what is in charge of this stress response and communicating, go, go, go. And what communicates the shutdown actually comes from an area in our brainstem that's called the vagus nerve. And that vagus nerve now gets the communication that, hey, no, like we're gonna run out of gas if we continue this way our best chance of surviving this is to shut down. And we can literally feel the energy drain from our system in that moment. I don't know if you can remember back to a moment where you have felt that paralysis and you feel your energy drain. 
and then you can feel foggy in your brain and you can feel very heavy. You can feel very sluggish. All of a sudden you don't have the energy to move. And in fact, what you really want to do is curl up in a ball and pull the covers over your head. That is the trauma response. So when we look at, well, then how do we define trauma? <laughs> trauma is anything that for any reason overwhelmed our body's ability to take action. It's anything that caused our body to throw on that emergency brake. This can be something external to us. This can be stuff internal to us, where if we have health issues, for example, our energy supply is already limited. Our cup for how much stress we can hold is already pretty much full to the brim. We can't handle much more. And so what if that one person texts us or emails or calls or doesn't call, whatever it is, right? Like, ooh, that just overwhelmed my system. It is anything that for any reason overwhelms our sense of ability to take action for the problems in our life. Would you consider trauma as little bits of stress compounded and then it's the overflow? Is that how you're, you're explaining it as? Because yeah, that's a good question. I think yeah. a lot of people might be calling what you're saying as potentially trauma as stress and maybe get the two confused, right? That happens a lot. And that okay. happened to me. So sure. before I knew any of this, mm -hmm. I reached a point of burnout and I got so sick that I actually could not get out of bed for a period of time. I'm only 31 and I can't get out of bed. I am so sick. I'm, I've got chronic fatigue. I've got a high autoimmune markers. I've got other things going on. And what I was diagnosed with was, ah, you've been chronically stressed. You just have too much stress. You need to do better stress management. And I know that a lot of people also are told that and they're getting the wrong diagnosis. They're getting a diagnosis of stress when no, like this is your body in a trauma response. And as long as we're giving them the wrong diagnosis, we're giving them the wrong tools because the trauma response needs something very different for healing than the stress response, very different. And so we're sending people down a wrong path by telling them that they have stress and giving them tools for stress when what they really need are tools for trauma in the body. You mentioned fogginess after or low energy. I'm thinking in my own head right now, some events that have been fairly unpleasant, and I'm trying to decipher if they were high stress situations or more so traumatic. Are yeah. there some things you can give that would help me and anyone else identify which lane they sit in? Let's do it. Okay. Oh, <laughs> but that means I'm going to need you guys to participate with me in a little exercise here. All right. Sure. You guys look like you're buff and you're strong. So you'll probably have no problem <laughs> with this exercise. I'm going to hand each of you a rock. Okay. And I'm going to ask you to hold this rock above your head. Okay. So come on, get, get your <laughs> hands up. All right. Our hands are up. You're not just watching me do this. Right. <laughs> Like, okay, okay. <laughs> no movement. Right. Yeah. So no problem, right? No problem. You got this, right? All right. I want you to make that rock five pounds heavier and five pounds heavier and five pounds heavier until you're now feeling the weight of this rock and it's hard. Mm -hmm. Are you there yet? Or do yep. you need to add mm -hmm. a few more pounds? Jill's like, Happy. no, I'm here. Right. No, I'm like, I'm at my max. <laughs> All right. As long as you're holding up this rock, this is stress. It's hard, but you're doing it. Right. You're doing it. You're taking action. You've got high energy. Oh my goodness. Right. What do I need to do? Do I need to shift? Like you're problem solving how to keep this rock up. All right, you guys, I'm so sorry, but we're going to let the rock crush us. Ah, ah, ah. And how do you, I mean, what's the energy level now? Honestly, my arms are tired, <laughs> right? We, well, we can't, we can't handle it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. We're, so even just right now, like you notice, mm -hmm. Ooh, no, like I, my body feels like it just crushed me. I, yeah. I have no energy. So when we look back at situations in our life, we can probably see elements of both that there were moments when we had the high energy and we were taking action. And then there were moments where this just feels too much. I don't know what to do. And I don't know if doing anything will even make a difference. Our body can go back and forth between a stress response and a trauma response all in the same situation. So it can be both. Yes. Okay. The trauma response can only come from a stress response. 
Gotcha. Okay. That's helpful. That's, that's the only way to get into a trauma response is it has to go through that startle, stress, ooh, got overwhelmed, the rock crushed me, and I'm now in the trauma response. Got it. So so we're now in this place, the rock has crushed us. When I think trauma, I think very classic people that come back from war, mm. people who have seen maybe like a family member die. Obviously, trauma, especially from your explanation, can happen in a lot more scenarios than I think what we're used to trauma being used as. What do you see in people that don't heal their trauma? Truly, I was a collegiate softball player who my role was coming off the bench to pinch hit in really clutch situations, which you want to talk about stress. I mean, I, I would start shaking innings before because I could feel the scenario starting to happen. And what was really interesting is, is I started to create this actual physical response innings before I even got into the game because I don't know if it was high stress or there was probably times that there was some trauma response there where when I would fail at the opportunity given to me, I would literally black it out. Like I wouldn't remember it. And then I would be super exhausted and I'd be drained. And my parents are like, let's go to dinner. And I can barely talk. And so I think of those times and I'm like, I did quite literally nothing to help my body get back to neutral. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we we didn't know better, but I, I'm super curious to hear, like, what do you see when people don't heal their trauma? And that's so common. I mean, really, Jill, it's so common. And most people are walking around with this trauma pattern in their bodies, and they're playing it out still every day of their life. In fact, most of the people that I see and these are people who are just are coming into my courses, right? Like they, they don't think that they've had this big T trauma in their life. They're just realizing that, hey, I'd like to have more joy or, hey, I realize that I have health issues. I've been learning about this trauma disease connection that you've been talking about. So let me just explore that. And what I'm seeing is that they are often waking up in the trauma response, meaning when they wake up, ah, oh, is it really morning? Do I really, ah. Oh. I don't want to get up. I don't want to get out of bed. And that's the trauma response. Like those are the thoughts of being in a trauma response. I don't want to see people. I don't want to talk. And they literally have to stress themselves out to pull themselves out of that low energy state just to get their day started. Thankfully, there's things like coffee and caffeine, right? Mm -hmm. that, that serves that purpose of giving you some adrenaline to give you energy to pull your body out of the low energy state that it's starting the day in. And so just the fact that our body is so much living in this low energy state, it really starts to affect our body systems, the digestive system almost more than anything else. But yet I also have to say like the immune system takes a big hit, but let's start with the digestive system. That vagus nerve that we talked about where this trauma response is communicated that nerve runs your digestive system. Hello. So you literally are shutting it down every time your body goes into a trauma response. Your whole digestive system shuts down. The result of that is that your diaphragm, which is supposed to you know, expand down into your gut to give you deep breaths, it stops moving very much. And it doesn't want to drop into your gut. There is developing some gut inflammation and leaky gut and all of these things that we'll talk about in a second, but that diaphragm is barely moving. So that results in your heart not getting the expansion of the lungs around it that normally happen. With every breath that we take, our lungs are supposed to get a nice little hug from our lungs. Isn't that a nice thought, right? Our yeah. heart is <laughs> <It's> cute. <laughs> right. When we go into a trauma response, the diaphragm is barely moving, right? And you feel like your breath just kind of stop for a second and then become really shallow. So the lungs aren't expanding. Your heart doesn't get that hug. And all of a sudden you start having body sensations of, I feel lonely. I feel like my heart is heavy. I feel like my heart is sinking in my chest. You start to have all these body sensations that are a result of your physiology and the changes that happen. But with the diaphragm not dropping down into your gut, nor are your intestines and your liver and your lymph nodes getting that movement, that fluid movement that they need to be healthy. So all of our digestive juices, for example, 
get stuck. They're not flowing. Our digestive system can literally shut down so that some people get more of a functional constipation. Others get more of a diarrhea because things are just flowing through. The digestion process itself is not working well. So even our stomach acid levels can go down. Our digestive enzyme levels can go down so that really our gut is now exposed to these foods that are coming down in, in larger chunks because it's not being digested. And that starts this process of leaky gut. And literally our immune system now seeing these chunks of food as the enemy. I don't recognize this. This shouldn't be down here. Recognizing it as the enemy and starting this attack so that every time we eat, we have this battle that starts to happen in our gut. So that sometimes people even feel more tired after they eat because their digestive system isn't working well because they're in the trauma response. But then we get the leaky gut, we get the gut inflammation. That gut inflammation travels up that same vagus nerve, brings on brain inflammation and the brain fog, depression, anxiety. And we also can start to develop an autoimmune process. An autoimmune process is actually strongly associated with the trauma response and with gut inflammation. Those two together and you get this autoimmune process that thankfully we can recognize early on, start to redirect people onto a different track, but with, without addressing this stored trauma, that is where people are headed. Chronic pain, chronic fatigue, autoimmunity, skin disorders, digestive disorders. And it's been fascinating to see that when people start to do the work, I mean, we're talking just start to do the work. So I have them start with the 21 days and then I have them do other work. But just in that 21 days of basic, very basic 10 minute a day trauma exercises, they experience a 28% decrease in their GI symptoms, 28% decrease in sleep problems, 30% decrease in depression, 30% decrease in anxiety, 26% decrease in daily physical pain levels. And this is only in 21 days of a 10 minute trauma exercise every day. So the potential for healing is right there on the surface as well. So, and I wanna communicate that with, yes, there are these downstream effects and yet the body is still so available and ready to heal and we can quickly shift it onto that path. I have so many light bulbs going off in my head right yeah. now. Like, I, go ahead, Jen. It's, it's interesting because at a basic level, when someone has a digestive issue and you say, okay, great, stress management is one of those things, right? That's the term, I'm guilty, I've used it a bunch, right? Stress management's gonna help you heal this. Then there's that question of, okay, stress management. What the hell does stress management mean? And I know you mentioned the 21-day process that you take people through, and we're absolutely going to link it. I have heard you mention it before. It sounds fantastic. I think Jill and I could probably benefit. But I know you teach a special type of healing and therapy, and I'd like you to talk a little bit about that because as our 101 podcast, we want tools. As a medical physician, I have tried several different tools and been mm -hmm. able to say, okay, these seem to make the most amount of difference on someone's physiology. So I'm going to start with this and then we're going to see what happens with the body as it opens up. And so I start people with what's called somatic work. Somatic work comes from a large part in my training with somatic experiencing with Dr. Peter Levine. Somatic experiencing really refers to somatic, which means tissue, like your body tissue and actually working with the body. And what does that mean? That means putting our mind's attention on the different sensations in our body. So much of our society lends itself to living in our heads. And we think about things and we analyze things and we study and we read and we talk and that's all happening up in our heads. But this trauma response happens in our body. It doesn't happen in our head. It's the, it's the mind in the body that's more powerful than the mind in our brain. It's the emergency brake that will overpower that gas pedal. So we can't just work with the gas pedal. Like we have to work with the emergency brake system and slowly start to have the system feel safe to start to let that emergency brake go. And when we start doing this trauma work, we quickly realize that, ooh, like our body is living in a place of fear. 
we go through life with fear. We go through our day with fear. We wake up in fear, right? Like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen today? <laughs> right? Like, mm-hmm. We're constantly worried about things. Like we live in a physiology of fear and I don't know if I'm going to be okay. Whereas when we start to shift that, and that's the power of these exercises and why these people experience this amount of change in their physical health just in 21 days, because we're shifting their physiology from one of fear to one of safety. And when we can shift that, that's what then starts to change their digestive system. It starts to change their immune system. I've had people come and tell me later that they got off their arthritis pain medications during the 21 days. They they got off their thyroid medications for their autoimmune process in those 21 days. It's stuff that for me as a medical physician, I'm still like, really? Are are you sure that was safe? Like, I I don't have pain anymore. Like, I, 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 I don't know where it went, but it's not here anymore. And it really is because even though we can consider this therapy, it, this is this is what I consider just the manual for a human body. This is just how we should all be taking care of our body. And, and when we can understand these tools of how do I connect with my body in an effective way so that I'm not accumulating more trauma and I'm actually healing old stuff that I'm still carrying, it really does change our biology and physiology. Mm. So the basis of somatic work is understanding how your body reacts and feels to different emotions and events and things like that? That's a great question. So the way that I teach the somatic work is that there are three states of our nervous system, the stress response, that trauma response, or the freeze response, and then this other state, parasympathetic state, or social engagement, rest and digest, where we all want to be and Mm -hmm. never usually are for very long unless we're just passing through and waving hello and on our way into the stress response. (laughs) And so (laughs) it's a great way to put it. I need people to know in any given moment, where is your system? Where is your body? And then these tools, they are very short exercises. Some of them include a movement. Some of them include sounds. They're all ways to work with the body and the nervous system directly to shift that state more towards that parasympathetic and being able to have them know the signs of, oh, my, my body just took a a spontaneous deep breath. That means that it's shifting towards parasympathetic. There's a yawn, there's a stomach gurgle, there's a this, there's a that, and they get to know their body and what those messages mean. So many of us are not getting the messages that our body is trying to give us until they become so loud that we're sick and can't ignore them. And yet those messages were there for a really long time. We just didn't know or weren't listening. Mm. You said you developed chronic fatigue from your trauma, trauma response, but we've both felt at different points in our lives, complete exhaustion, as well as very, very deep gut issues. Yes, it was absolutely for myself partying way too hard in college and drinking a lot of alcohol, right? And it was running myself to the ground, avoiding sleep, not eating the best. But I think a lot of it too is that we forget is like some of it is just there's it's that complete overwhelm and exhaustion has hit both of us. So it was interesting to hear that it hit you as that chronic fatigue, you know, developing that autoimmune. Sometimes, you know, Jill will take a nap at 2 p.m. And it might not be because she's tired. It might be because she's so exhausted from her really busy life that's just overflowing her bucket. Yeah. When when do we listen to signs and what do we just what do we do? So I am also an addiction medicine physician. Mm-hmm. And that gave me a lot of insights into human nature that are not pretty. Mm-hmm. I wish that we learned lessons in a different way, but each person seems to need to hit their rock bottom, Yeah, whatever their rock bottom is. And then that's a wake up call for them. For me, my rock bottom was when my health gave way. Mm. For others, their rock bottom may be different, but for me, that was my low point. And I mean, I'm here to provide a clear path forward for anyone who wants to avoid their rock bottom as well, but that doesn't seem to be what happens, (laughs) right? Right. People tend to find me after they've hit their rock bottom 
once they've hit that low point. I, I would love that enough people would share their stories that people would be like, oh, yeah, I think I'm heading in that direction and let me learn how to not go all the way to that. And if anybody does that, I mean, awesome, kudos. Let me interview you because you are. <laughs> <laughs> but there are, there are two reasons for the body hitting this trauma response that you're talking about. Too much, too fast. That's one way that we can become overwhelmed. Our body can become overwhelmed. There's just too many things happening at, at once. And so much of our lifestyle lends itself to that. We, we have so much going on and computers and cell phones have only added to all the things that we can have going on at one moment. I mean, I can have five conversations going on at once on my text messages while I'm on a Zoom call with other people. And I'm also doing, I mean, how many, right? Like too much, too fast. And yet we're used to this. This is our normal now. And then we're just rushing from one thing to the next. And so too much, too fast is a very common reason for many trauma responses all throughout a person's day. The other wow. reason for that trauma response, though, is too little for too long. And Jill, this or Jenna, this may kind of go back to what you were saying around like just too little sleep, right? Like there was a time when, when you were not giving your body the nurture, the, the rest, the recovery that it needed. And that would have been an example of too little of something that your body needs for just too long. And our body... It can't, it can only hold up that rock for so long if we're not giving it the support that it needs to hold that rock up. Mm -hmm. And so those are your two reasons for that trauma response. And when I look at when and how people go into trauma, it's usually a combination of those two things, right? It usually is, oh, like I'm living with too little of something for too long and then something just happened too much too fast. And so there's, there's many contributing factors that go into that final decision of your body to be like, all right, hands up. I give up. I'm shutting this thing down. I'm pull, pulling the emergency brake. Wow. So I'm, that's, I'm, my brain is processing all of this. <laughs> have, and, I, have I given you too much too fast? Right. right yeah, too no, this is, this is great. It's, it's just so interesting because I think what we, the feedback we hear all the time is people just don't realize how much the body keeps the score. I know that's a book, but I think about that all the time of you can't trick your body. You There's nothing you can do that tricks yourself into getting more sleep, right? And being more rested or less stressed. And I think back in college, while I was dealing with the softball stuff and this extreme stress, and I was holding myself to way too high of a standard on all these things, my immunity was horrible. I had strep throat at least three times a year. I had bronchitis every time after because my body just couldn't keep up. And if if I had talked to you during this time, say I we met at a restaurant randomly during college or something, is there anything you could say to someone when you hear something like that, that sure, it's not going to cure them, but it might help? I mean, one of the things that I would have said to you, Jill, would be that when you get sick like that, when you get the strep throat, when you get the bronchitis, that is not stress. That is a trauma response. Stress actually makes our immune system stronger. So it's when we've gone into the trauma response that our immune system gets weak and we get sick. You can think of even maybe back in, in times when you're leading up to exams, right? Leading up to the exams is not when you get sick. It's right after when you go on break, when you go on vacation, <laughs> yeah. that's when it catches up with you. It's not during the times of stress. So helping a person realize that this is actually what's happening in your body. You may think that it's stress. Your body's actually in a trauma response. And this is just the surface of the iceberg, this bronchitis and, and the, the illnesses. So my goal where I start people is just, let's not keep accumulating more trauma. We don't need to go heal all the stuff from the past yet, but let's right. just stop accumulating more trauma. Yeah. And I do that by bringing in pauses into people's day. And so just for two minutes at the end of a task, or when you transition to something else, I just want you to two minutes, pause and check in with your body. What, what's going on? How are you doing? And how can I support you right now?
Would a hand over my heart be supportive? Would a hand over my belly be supportive? What about some pillows underneath my shoulders when I've been feeling like I've been carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders? How can I support you right now? What, what if I laid down for 15 minutes, not with the intention of sleeping, but just to give you some downtime, yeah. some, some sensory rest from the crazy day that I'm having? Just building in some pauses will help us be able to process things as they happen so that we're not accumulating as much trauma moving forward. And then when we're ready, we can go deal with the, with the past stuff that we already have. I love that. Yeah, that's, that's great. I'm kind of calling myself out, but I realize a lot of times my two minutes of a break, say if I'm editing a podcast episode, is scrolling on my phone, Ooh. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is my sign. I needed this. No, but really, it's like, okay, let me go on TikTok now and scroll because I have realized actually, and this is so great that this is being brought up now that I honestly feel more stressed or yeah. I feel like I haven't gotten a break. No, I might've used the word stress wrong there, but I would, I'm, I think I'm going to now, I've just quickly made that decision. Just lay in my bed or even I'm sure you recommend just go outside and sit in the sun for sec a second. Right. Yeah. That would be fine. I'll take but, any of that. Other, other right. <laughs> right. But and, and I think it's what you were saying is it's the accumulation of everything. And nowadays with the added stressors of social media, I, something that's very prominent right now is um, kind of silly, but the Murdoch murder trial, you might not even know about it, but I've been getting so into that. And then I'm like, I wonder why my body doesn't feel good. It's because, right. Mm. It's because <laughs> I'm now going from work to watching this, to scaring myself and I'm simply calling myself out right now because I'm sure we have a ton of people listening to this right now who are like, I really don't actually take true, true breaks. Or Jill, I know, will take a break and oftentimes feel guilty about it because her past is collegiate softball who you work hard and that's how you achieve anything, right? And so we're all kind of sitting here. We all really don't allow ourselves to have that many legitimate breaks. I, I'm laughing because the other day Jenna was talking to me about the Murdoch trials and she's like, come on, like, will you get into it? You can watch the Netflix show. And I'm like, Jenna, I are, I know myself. I don't have that threshold for the additional stress. We can't buy another ADT alarm system where security out, there's nothing more I can do. I'm good, but five years ago, I would have been like, oh, yeah, I'm so down. And now I'm like, okay, I've at least come to this point where I'm like, you know what? As interesting as that might be, I'm going to keep my body away from that additional stress. Right. <laughs> like, that's a permanent pause. Like That's that's a, a no shot ever. So I, I've heard enough from Jenna, but even just taking that moment to recognize where you're at, our world today is so go, 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 mm -hmm. that I would be willing to bet 95% of the people that listen to this episode don't ever pause and say, okay, how is my body feeling actually? We only feel things when we're about to have to run to the bathroom or when the pain is so bad that now we have to call a doctor. Like mm -hmm. that's really the only time it feels like we actually check in with our bodies. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. I'm right there with you. It's kind of crazy. Mm, yeah. We have this human body and yet we don't listen to it. We don't take care of it and we get frustrated when it breaks down. Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We're, we've, we're, I'm treating you terribly. Why are you responding this way? <laughs> right. And you mentioned rock bottom as Jill and I have both experienced in our past. Our podcast, obviously called Gut Talk, is primarily centered around gut issues because that is what we've experienced as a result of probably, you know, stored trauma, various other things. But I think a lot of people actually listening to this are at their rock bottom because I would say your digestive sh system shutting down is a very tall tell sign that you are, you're at your bottom because we all know that digestion is so critically important. For those who are listening, I've actually heard Dr. Amy speak before. A lot of people like to use the phrases that you mentioned, time heals or love will heal all. Can you go a little bit more into that? And if you will, maybe share a little bit of your story as to when you learned that was simply not enough. So when we have this trauma response in our body, if we don't actually do the work to complete it, to heal it, it doesn't go anywhere. What happens is that it continues to develop and then 
sometimes decades later, years later, we get diseases. And that's what the whole adverse childhood experiences study showed is that, hey, these events that were stressful happen in early childhood, and yet people are getting the disease in adulthood. So time does not heal. And one of the hard ways that I learned this lesson was I adopted a son from the foster care system. I did this in medical school, speaking of pushing myself <clears throat> to constantly perform. Um, I had my own work to do. And what I thought was that time would heal and that just my love and having a home, belonging somewhere with time would heal him. And I saw over time that no, like he was not getting better. In fact, he was still not feeling safe with me, with the world, in our relationship. And it was getting worse. It was escalating. And so I then had to study and figure, figure all this stuff out. What did he need in order to heal? Because time or my love was not doing it. And we can see this in so many other scenarios where we can love someone. We can be in a relationship with someone. We can even be in a relationship where we feel like we're helping them, right? Like we, we know that we are their rock, their strong person, their source, their resource. And we feel that I'm helping to heal them. And yet that's, that's not actually what happens. Once we get through childhood and we become teenagers to adults, like we have to be the ones to be our own answers mm -hmm. in order for us to do the healing work. We can no longer look to someone else, whether that's a physician, whether that's a professional, a therapist, a family member, a partner. And yet we continue to play that out in many times in our life where we're looking to someone else to heal us. We're looking to, for someone else to fix us and being able to come back and say, all right, I actually can become the, my expert in my body. I can get to know my body and it's different subtle messages so well that I, my intuition is spot on because I know my body. One of the things with, with trauma is that it makes our intuition be off and we see danger where there is no danger. And we see wonderful things when we should be running away from that relationship or we, <laughs> we should be running away, away from that. So our intuition becomes completely off talking about our gut, right? Like our intuition actually is all about our gut. So when we have these gut changes as a result of the vagus nerve and trauma, our intuition will be off. And so time does not heal that because you won't stop seeing danger where there is no danger unless you do the work to heal the gut, heal the vagus nerve, heal that trauma that's perpetuating the gut issues. And then you can truly feel safe inside so that when things don't feel safe on the outside, you, you feel the tension. But when we feel the tension and have the tension inside, things that are unsafe on the outside, they, they feel familiar. And so, ah, we keep getting into situations that continue to traumatize us not realizing that, mm, yeah, time by itself is not going to heal. Love by itself is not going to heal. We actually have work to do with the body to reset and remap these neural pathways that we have that are informing us of how safe or dangerous we are in the world. I think that's validating probably for a lot of people, right? Because, yeah. oh, it's been 15 years. Why am I not over this? Or why does it feel like yesterday? Well, because all you were doing was hoping the clock was going to heal you, right? And I'm definitely guilty of it too. I've said before um, in therapy, like this happened X amount of years ago. Why do I still care? And thank goodness, I think I have a pretty good therapist because she gives me good reasons. But she was explaining like you, you can't just ignore it and expect it to go away. That doesn't work that way. But I think again, like in today's society, it's like be tough. I think vulnerability has become um, less frowned upon, I would say recently, but we come from an Italian New Yorker family, right? Where, I mean, our dad has really adapted so much having two daughters because I think he grew up like, suck it up, work hard, don't complain. I had a job since I was 12. So you should be lucky that you're only starting at 16, you know, and he's completely shifted. And and really validated our feelings and 
and all that comes along with mental health. But I know there are so many people that aren't lucky enough. And so I I hope that this message is validating. Like, just because it happened 10 years ago doesn't mean that you should feel any better if you haven't done the work. Yeah, that's the all the experiences get stored in our body. And we have these things called implicit memories in the body. And so this is why we can go into certain situations or be around people, places, things that trigger things in our body. And people can notice that, oh, you know, when it's Christmas time and I have to go visit my family, I get sick. I, you know, I get flare-ups of my digestive system issues. These are all messages that, hey, that never went anywhere. That's still in your body. And this is how it's expressing that. This is how it's expressing that, hey, this memory is still here. This situation has triggered that memory in my body. You may not even have conscious awareness of that memory, but it's still a memory that's showing up in your body with your health symptoms and when they flare up. Interesting. Personally, I had a lot of performance anxiety in my life with uh, soccer and constantly, you know, running to the bathroom, as we would call it every morning before my game. To be honest, those feelings still creep in on me, you know, when I have to do something big and I feel that pit in my stomach, right? Nerves, anxiety, what you want to call it. I also often get the feeling of, I don't want to feel that way when I'm nervous for something. Is that, is this something that I can stop? (laughs) (laughs) How do I make this go away? Right. I hate it. (laughs) Yeah. So When I was in residency and medical school and I was having these things happen in my body with all the anxiety that I had going on, whether it was exams or then I was in general surgery residency and with doing surgery on people and I would feel these things in my body and I'd be like, oh yeah, no, I don't want to feel that. And so what would I do? I chose to do things like overeat. I chose to do things like doing anything that I could to block and numb those feelings from my body so that I could just be in my head. And it was this constant way. And most of it was unconscious at the time, right? Like it just became so programmed into, well, this is just how I live life, right? Like I need to study. So I can't be listening to my body right now. I need, I need to study. I need to work. I need to be awake. I need to do this. I need to do more. And so it was constantly shutting down those sensations that were uncomfortable from my body that would otherwise have distracted me. And even I remember, I mean, I I would start to feel tired and I'd be like, you can't feel tired. You've got work to do. And so it was like, all right, well, what can I reach for? What can I do? Oh, let me do some push-ups right now. Let me do some push-ups. Let me get that, you know, adrenaline going and that exercise, the blood flow, dopamine, so that I can be more awake and be more alert. Like so much of what I tried to do was to not feel whatever I was feeling because it took away from what I thought I was supposed to be doing. Now, what happens is that that system is eventually going to break, as did mine, And what I had to learn was that actually I get more done when I take care of my body rather than ignore my body. And I had thought the opposite. I had thought that I just needed to make these things go away because they were taking me away from what I wanted to be doing. And when we learn to actually listen to our body and give it what it needs, oh my goodness, like it just opens up so much energy for us because now it's not fighting us. It actually takes a lot of energy to numb, to distract, to shove down. However, we can decrease the intensity of those sensations so that I can be in my brain and just think and do. And that takes a lot of energy. So when you no longer have to do that, imagine all this energy that's freed up for you that you're like, oh my goodness, like I, I can actually do so much more because I'm not having to fight my body in the process. So that's the value of doing trauma work and especially starting with this somatic work is figuring out, all right, how can I read these messages from my body? How can I instead come in and support my body rather than ignoring it and then being able to see a very different relationship that I can have with my body where now it is online and I can be in mind and body all connected and not having to only be in my mind or only be in my body because they're, they're so separate because I have disconnected them. If 
someone hears this and wants to start doing the work, can you talk a little bit about your 21-day program and how to access that? Yeah. So with the 21-day program, what I've done is I've broken it down into steps. So I have three phases of that 21-day program, and I'm walking people through what I call the essential sequence for starting the work with stored trauma in the body, because we want to do it in a way that honors the body and not, again, pushing the body into too much too fast, because as we all know, that is a possibility. Mm -hmm. And so I start the first seven days. The first week is just teaching them exercises, short exercises on how to create moments of safety where they actually feel safe. It's not them telling themselves, well, I should feel safe. I do feel safe, right? I, f I feel safe. Yeah, I, I, f I feel safe. It's actually them feeling safe in their body and their body, them informing their brain, we're good down here. You can do your work because I'm good down here. The second week is all exercises. So seven different exercises to create a felt sense of support. And that really is for the stress response. The safety is for the trauma response. The support is for that stress response. And when we feel that someone has our back, I mean, what can't we do, right? Like I can hold that rock up all day if I yeah. know someone has my back. Yeah. And then that third week, we're able to move into exercises of expansion. Expansion are things like experiencing moments of joy, experiencing moments of healthy anger and boundaries, experiencing moments of play, experiencing expansion that's done in a safe way because we can actually try to open up too fast and we re-traumatize, we, we scare our body and it shuts back down. So we need to learn how to expand and grow in a safe way. And that's what that third week of the 21-day journey is. So people can learn more about this. In fact, the essential sequence is what I would most want them to understand because that is the process for starting to address stored trauma in the body. They can find a guide for that on my website, traumahealingaccelerated.com. And I have there a guide on this essential sequence that they can read about. Cool. Incredible. Well, I'm going to take it. <laughs> really, though, I, I looked and saw that March 1 was closed. Do you do every month or? There will be one in May. May. Okay. Yeah. Okay. May so there will be a waiting July. list. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll add that to the show notes. So anyone who wants to do it in May can. Yeah, come do it with Jenna. Um, yeah, come yeah. do it with me, please, really. And yeah, I'll document it too, because this is something that, and why when I first found you on social media, spoke so much is like, I know that there's so many of us out there that just need like a few more tools to get to that next place of where we want to be. And we just need a little bit of help. We just need a little bit of guidance to get, honestly, change our lives. And that's, you know, what this is all about. Thank you yeah. for coming on. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. And yeah, I think everyone, there's something for everyone in this episode. And if mm -hmm. not, Dr. Amy needs to study you because right. that means <laughs> that you're doing some incredible things in your own life. Right. So thank you so much for, for jumping on. And uh, yeah, we'll have the details in the show notes for anyone who's interested in, in learning more. Yeah. Thank you so much, you guys. Thanks. Thanks.